Well, welcome back to Empower It With Emma with me, Emma Kyo. Today, I'm so excited to talk to my guest as like he's won all Ireland's. He has like been through so much with his own past and um, businesses, new ventures. It's the one and only Philly McMahon and I have wanted to get him on ever since I started the pod. I think, you know, we're similar age he really opens up about, you know, the work he does in Mount Joy Prison, the stigma around, you know, drugs as he lost his brother in 2012 to it and he wrote a book on it. He's so vulnerable about everything he opens up and about his own, you know, well-being journey and how he looks after it. It was just an amazing pod and just listening. Thanks so much. This season of Empower With Emma is brought to you by Riley, an Irish female-founded period care brand. Riley delivers eco-friendly products to your door when you need them, made with 100% organic cotton and free from toxins, bleach and other harmful chemicals. Riley products are better for your body and better for our planet. You can use code EMMA30 for an amazing 30% off your first three months. You can head over to www.wearerily.com to subscribe. So welcome, the main man, Philly Mac Man. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Emma. Thank you. So like I had Philly on my list right when I first started the pod because I just think I watched you on TV. I've like your book, amazing. Your journey in life. You're a Northsider like me, hardcore. <laughs> you're just very relatable as well, especially all your achievements. You're very real. You're very authentic. And I definitely resonate with you as well. And, mm. you know, we have mutual friends. But I think, especially as a man, seeing your side of the story go through what you went through in life, where you are now with your family. Raph been chatting about that. He's Gordon Ramsay in the making now, isn't yeah. it? He's going to be on the restaurant. So, like, yeah. talk to me then, getting to this place that you are in now from where you've been. Because I've definitely, like, I went to the doves matches when I was younger with my fam. And do you know what resonated with me? So I don't move at the manor last year, right? Yeah. And we were all up on stage and I remember saying hello to you. And we and it always resonated with me. It was so funny. We all got asked by Greg O'Shea to describe ourselves in one word. Okay. Do you remember the <laughs> yeah, word you gave yourself? I think so. <laughs> no, I was like, you know, me, I was like positive, kind. You know, all these. I'm going to see, do you remember the word you said? I think I said violent or something yeah, like that. Did, did yeah. I? yeah, you did. You did. And I was like, I love his honesty. I love his vulnerability. Yeah. Like, no, obviously we do know you're like a gap player. So a yeah. lot of yeah, violent on the pitch, not off the pitch. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, what does he mean by that? <laughs> so, you know, talk yeah. to me more about your journey. And my one of my first questions is like your background. Mm. You're very open about where you're from, how you're raised. Yeah. You're really proud of that. And I love that about you mm. because I think, you know, when you're growing up, especially from like, you're from Ballymont, I'm from Cabra as well. Mm. When you're growing up, especially um, in your teens, in your 20s, you're trying to be liked. And you're trying to have that likable factor and like you're not really, how do you say, I, I found you're kind of a bit disconnected from being proud of where you're from, what you do. Yeah. You know, when did you hit that point? Uh, from a very young age, I, I suppose I, I was given gifts uh, that I wasn't aware of until I got older, like, mm. you know, Ballymun being one of them. My brother struggling with addiction was another and... Um, they were the two big ones for me, like I suppose. And then my dad was from West Belfast as well. So the struggles he went through with yeah. the troubles, that definitely 
has impacted me and influenced me to fight for my cause, which is, you know, my community, Ballymon, is is one of the most impoverished communities in the country and it has been for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's been a billion euro spent on it and all of these things, mm-hmm. but, but there's amazing people in it and mm-hmm. there's amazing things happening as well at the same time. So I'm using my platform to try to help that. But yeah, I suppose like um, when I started playing sport for Ballymon Kickhams, my coach and, and mm-hmm. uh, the guy that coached me was a guy called Paddy Christie and he was a, he was a massive um, sport and role model for me. And he kind of, at a very young age, we would have played teams and they would have called us, you know, Ballymun knackers and scumbags and... We could have played. Oh God, I, that, that's mine. Sorry, no, that was on. You're grand. This is live. This is live. We don't we'll call anything like that. We'll out. just say the the podcast uh, is in the south side, so I didn't have to use the Google Maps for the north side. You're grand. This is good. This is the reality of it's it all, real. guys. It's real. But yeah, go on. Yeah, so so Ballymun Kickums was the first, um, I suppose, uh, awareness of be proud of where you're from and yeah. who you play for and stuff like that. So he would have told me like, and the other lads I played with. If 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 other players or their parents are calling you certain things, it's because you're doing something right, and that obviously has followed me right to me into county career, where we'd have probably most of the country slag <laughs> abusing me in the stands, you know. So I was very used really? to that. Really? Yeah, you get a lot of that. Even it's it's probably gone a little bit further now. It's gone into in social media. Yeah, yeah, but like I mean, it depends. In Crow Park, you wouldn't have heard a word, like you know. But yeah. in the other stadiums yeah. that were a bit smaller, you would hear the abuse, and that's all right. That's a it's it's unfortunate part of the game, but it's also sport. Yeah, like so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, how when you ever had things like that as well, did it ever get you down? Or and you know, how did you get through those times of you know feeling that disconnect, especially from oh, am I good enough? You know, you know those kind of questions in your head. The, I suppose the ones that stuck out for me was when I was going into the development squads from the age of let's say thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, that. Uh, I had obviously issues at home with our struggling with addiction and the, I suppose, the conflict that brought to the family home. And for me then to go into a change room and look around and say, well, you're, you don't have that in your house. And you and, and I didn't know mm, that. Mm-hmm. I, that was just me thinking that. That was my perception. But there, there could have been, because we know when there's, you know, there's issues with mental health and there's issues with mm. addiction in all social classes. So they were the difficult parts for me. And, and I suppose the sport gave me the opportunity to vent the anger and the, the violence yeah the violence <laughs> let's say that's that's why I became the player what I became in ah, terms of the county like you kicked legs yeah. off people that. <laughs> like you just went for it like you were like rage against the machine yeah yeah well that's that's probably like uh, that's I, why I think a lot of people loved you you just went mm. on and you were like fuck this yeah well I remember doing a talk in DCU with the business school and I remember um, I was actually asked to speak about positivity and mm. I spoke about, you know, stop chasing positivity. And it was really, I felt that it went really well and it was in an auditorium and there was a guy up the back and he put his hand up at the end for the Q&A and he says, uh, you're talking about positivity and all this, but yeah, you're a knacker on the pitch. <laughs> and uh, everybody, it was a laugh, like, you know, to put it Did this way. Did he mean it in a bad way? I don't know. He didn't have a Dublin yeah. accent, put it that way. But anyway, I said to him, hold on a second. I said, I want you to understand this. When I was a kid, I had vent- I had built up this energy, negative energy from mm. what was happening at home. And then when I played football, I expressed that energy. And yeah. that got me to a stage where I played inter-county football. And when I got to play inter-county football, then my managers were saying, right, okay, we love the way you play here. We want you to keep that man off the, out of the game. And that'll help our team win. And eventually it helped our team win 
you know, it was only small cog in the wheel, but it did, it helped. And we won all Ireland's. And essentially then I was able to develop a platform for winning all Ireland's then then go and help yeah. people. So I said to him, ultimately, you know, you might see it as a negative, but it's a positive at the end of the day. And yeah. I, stuck, I stuck my fingers up at him then after that. Yeah. And everybody started laughing. Every but laughing, when you so. think about it, this is a thing because I know there's such thing as, you know, um, toxic positivity. I totally mm. know that. But that's a really valid point that what you said, because you obviously, you are in survival mode. Mm. Do you know that way? And then you literally built like filled your cup as you'd say with all that survival and then you literally poured it out on the pitch like that was your release so instead of you reacting to certain things like you know with your family you that was your let off steam and like yeah. as a man did you find that very hard because like and especially do you still find that hard because you work a lot in prison in uh, Mount Joy as well yeah. don't you so do you find do you think men are getting better with opening up or how do you think it is now um the, the the work we do in Mount Joy is is kind of mind blowing. Like you know, it's so you're doing that years now. Yeah, this yeah. is going into our like. Obviously, we were there three years pre COVID, and then this is our fourth year now. Because were you there before you did the TV show? We were. Yeah, we were. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, the, the some of the some of the documentary was in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you don't yeah. know, right, this yeah. is where I hit home, and I was like, yeah. I love what you do. So I'd never yeah. met you, right? And yeah. I watched the TV show, right? Yeah. If you don't know, it was done in two thousand. I think it was. I have it down here. Twelve was it? Two thousand and twelve. Twelve no. was it? No. No, when was it? No, sorry, John passed in two thousand. John passed in two thousand and twelve. Your book is two thousand and seventeen. Was it seventeen? The hardest hit was two thousand eighteen. Eighteen, because yeah. my dad was ill at that stage. Yeah, I tell you. yeah, yeah. And yeah. that was four years ago. And mm. I remember I was watching that. I was in my house at the time, and I seen that, and I was like, uh, like I was actually crying. Yeah, by the way, yeah, I yeah, was like, yeah. the work, like I literally, because I'm like stuff like that to me, like help and giving back out of the goodness mm. of your health just touches my heart. And I was like, this man is just amazing because you were so vulnerable. Mm. You told your story. You weren't afraid of telling your story. You were mm. actually saying it with compassion to help other people. And it came from a place of like, I'm doing this to share and show light that me and my brother came from mm. the same family that he went down the road of drugs. I didn't. I lost him. I didn't. You have a choice. And that's why your book's called The Choice. Yeah, yeah. But do you know that way? So talk to me more yeah. about that. Well, ultimately what happened was uh, I was playing a GA match in 2015, 16, mm. I think it was. And one of the, I've never experienced, but one, obviously John had passed 2012. So I was getting the better of this fella and he said something terrible about John. And uh, then I, kind of, I don't know, it was a couple of days later, I was doing a, an interview and, and it just came out of my mouth. And from that, then everybody started asking more about it. And a lot of people then started to get in touch with me and say how much I helped them. And at that point, I suppose that was the, the light bulb moment for me that I developed a purpose in life. You know, well, to, How old were you then? I was... And you would have been still playing like uh, golf football. Yeah, I was yeah. still playing for the Dubs. Like so, uh, it was twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen. So five years ago. Yeah, so it would have been like twenty eight, twenty nine. Like yeah, you know, probably yeah. a little bit younger. Yeah. But yeah, so 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 at that point, I was given, as I said, the gift of mm. a purpose. You know, mm. and what I really wanted to do was to try make a difference for people that were going on that route or you know at the beginning of that spectrum maybe that are, that John went through yeah. and try impact those people and their families and their communities yeah and did you do any training for that or is that something that you just decided to be like I just want to start 
how do you say, talking to people mm. and then you had no qualifications. It's just something that you really were passionate about. Yeah, well, like, uh, I mean, uh, the, the for me, uh, I suppose the qualification I had was being an expert of having somebody that was yeah. Uh, yeah. struggling with addiction in your life, mm-hmm. in your family. So, And then after that, because I was doing so much in uh, having conversations, doing media stuff around addiction, um, that I started to actually learn a huge amount because I was actually you know, sitting with experts uh, from all different um, pro or anti Mm. in terms of decriminalization and all that sort of stuff. So I learned a huge amount. um, And then obviously I started to delve a little bit deeper into, you know, why why we have these issues in terms of addiction in society. And what we were doing, what we you know, what we thought was the right way of doing things and what we think is, the, the you know, what we know now is the wrong things. How we're conditioned on our beliefs and all and how, like, you know, your yeah. society, your environment, there's so many factors, isn't there? Yeah, like, I suppose one of the, the key things I do with the with the uh, the guys in Mount Joy is to get them to realise that your environment mm-hmm. creates your conscious, which is your basically your knowing, mm-hmm. you know, your knowledge. And then when you internalise that information, you internalize that in your subconscious mind which is your habitual behaviors mm, your being yeah so that's your that's your doing part yeah. you know um and those things then create your results in life mm. you know and then results give you you know sorry they give you actions they give you results and yeah. you, get, you know so that's the way it works and for me um it, it's not as simple as saying society is the issue here for people that commit crime but, no de- like but, there's so many factors yeah. but there is if you look back for a trauma from, yeah. you know, years and years ago, you can go back f- as far as the famine, TB, you can go to the sexual abuse from the Catholic Church. Yeah. You will now have, then you have the drug uh, epidemic in terms of the ray of seeing. Now you'll have COVID. All of these, all these things cause trauma. Mm. And then when we find something that we, we connect really well with that gets rid of that trauma, like drugs, uh, addiction, yeah, um, alcohol, whatever that alcohol, whatever, sex, that, whatever, it is, whatever it is, your yeah. phone, yeah, your phone's yeah. a new one now, you know. So I'm terrible for it, but yeah. So there's like so, and it, it could be as simple as a young kid disconnecting with their mother. Escapism. You it's know? literally yeah. just not thinking of anything so, and just going into that little realm. Yeah, and and unfortunately, then we have a really bad drugs policy that actually it, it's perfect for drug dealing. Like, if you wanted to create a drug policy to enhance drug dealing, this is the one we have right now. Three-strike three uh, policy, like, if you're caught with personal use, slap on the wrist, caught second time, you're going to fine. Third time, you're going to be incarcerated. Yeah. For personal use, so nobody will ever stop after three uses. Nobody ever, most of the time, I've, n- I've n- anybody I've spoke to that have struggled in this cycle of addiction, specifically in drugs, will never stop after three. And they won't stop because of a guard saying to them, stop taking drugs. Yeah. You know, so they've got it wrong. So there's a lot to be done. I, I would be hopeful and optimistic in the next 20 to 50 years that there'll be massive change in the world around drugs. And people realise that drugs aren't the issue. It's the underlying issues and trauma that's the issue. Yeah, that's a very valid point because there's so much then in the other realms, you know, around, you know, there's so much on Netflix now. Like all to do with like mushrooms. Psychedelics. To do psychedelics. And that's a different realm of of drugs. Like this Mm. is supposed to like help your mind, help depression, help anxiety. But there's not enough focus on this. This is my opinion. And then you have the other side of it as well. But there's just so much. But there's not. The one thing is say about you is... 
you know, you're trying to change the stigma around talking about it as well because yeah. it's such a great area that people people sometimes feel ashamed to say, oh, well, my brother, auntie, mother, cousin, sister, father was an addict or they're recovering mm. or, like, you know, I know people and I'm just like, well, fair play to you for telling me that because you didn't have to tell me that and I'd never judge someone on that. Do you know, have you ever came up with, uh, like, against that where people would nearly judge it on that? Like, Oh, there's, there's, there's huge stigma um, in this country right now because it's, le- because of the, the policy, as we said, yeah. it's, it's, uh, yeah. it's illegal to take drugs and, I suppose it's crazy to think that you, you know, you you can, you know, when you were younger, you probably have experienced that you stood outside the the uh, the off license and you got an adult to go in and get you drink. Ah, yeah, right? we've been buying six yeah. bottles a week. Yeah, you know, right? <laughs> and then uh, so 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 that's that's a that's because mm. there's um, they've legalized alcohol. Yeah, right. <clears throat> Prohibition for alcohol didn't mm-hmm. work, and but <laughs> isn't it mad that you can go around the corner and buy a bag of heroin? It's just crazy. You know, you can go around, buy a bag of heroin, there's rat poison, there's loads of different things, there's cement, there's everything in you're putting into your body, you just don't know what's in it. Mm. Um, so so they're the kind of, the the two kind of spectrums of like what we've got wrong, like, you know, and and, and people will keep saying, oh, well, the floodgates will open if you decriminalise or you legalise drugs, but that's already happened. Cocaine is yeah. definitely normalised. You can't, you can't go to a pub now in this country without seeing people taking cocaine in the toilet. Mm. You know, so it's already the floodgates are opened. We need to make drugs safer because we'll never get rid of them. We need to manage to make it safer, and we make the, we need to drop the stigma because there's a huge amount of people losing their lives, taking their lives because of the stigma. Yeah. Right. So there's a there's a, a brilliant professor, uh, a professor, a doctor. She's one of the other. She's she's an academic. Um, Sharon Lambert. She's brilliant. She done research around the effects of alcohol and drug abuse on the family, mm-hmm. and she 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 tells a really poignant story about a, a guy um, who his mother and sister basically he 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 said to them one night, "Look, you won't have to worry about me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'll get this sorted." And then they went to bed, and the next day they came down and he'd commit suicide. You know, and that's because of shame. Because he's basically mm-hmm. saying to the to his mom and his sister, "Look, it's all about yeah. I'm putting so much pressure on you, is because it's this is a bad thing in society." Yeah, and I've I've heard of that so much myself, mm. even through whether it's gambling, whether it's you know addiction, something mm. like that, and it just breaks your heart knowing that like they probably did have a good life, but the only way out for them is that. And it's just, yeah. and especially it's the mental health that like we do not have any sort of like, personally, I'm very passionate about this. Mm. We don't have enough help in the country and enough, you know, you know, I always think we should have like a unit, you know, the way when something like that, when someone's, you know, fearful of taking their own life mm. or whatever like that. I know the Guardian are called and they're amazing. But they, uh, even when I was watching that program Inside the K, like they're not properly, you know, yeah. educated on how or to teachers. respond. Or teachers. Or yeah. teachers. Yeah. Or people yeah. who are, you know. And I'm just like, why can't we have a mental health response unit? Like a proper mental health to help people. Like, so do they yeah. have people like that in Mount Joy? And it's great to see yeah. you're doing work like that. So talk to me then. Has there ever been, you know, a there's, case where you help someone? There's brilliant, there's brilliant stuff in Mount Joy, you mm. know. And, and um, you know, Mount Joy is a very, I'm not going to hide the 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 negative stuff in, mm. in Mount Joy is is extremely bad. It's not a place you want to go. Like mm-hmm. um, there is a progression unit where I work, which is basically a much better cultural place. 
Therefore, people that has basically put their hand up and said, you know what, I don't really want to be carrying on down there. I want to make a difference now. Mm. It's more rehabilitative kind of uh, area of the prison. And you would have listener uh, listeners, which basically uh, they're people in, they're other prisoners that would, you know, be able to approach another prisoner and ask, are you okay? Oh, or great, if yeah. someone's, but they're not allowed then do anything after that. They just basically go and they say, do I need your help? I need you to sit. But they're trained yeah. to be a listener. There's Red Cross. There's loads of different brilliant stuff in, really in, cool. in prison. Um, so, but it's, it's uh, for me, the, the big problem is we don't actually still understand mental health. Mm. We don't totally understand mm. it. And even the wording has is, is changed over years. Like, yeah. you know, like it, it should be, <clears throat> I, 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 we, we, as we know it as mental health, that's why we should use that language. But it's, it's generally distress. You know, and mm. well being. Yeah, yeah, that's the opposite. It's basically yeah, well being. Yeah. How yeah, to definitely. keep yourself well mm. within your being. Well, the the key thing is the connection. Yeah, you know, you and know, we lost that through COVID. Yeah, and we lost it through uh, through technology. Yeah, <laughs> we should be connected yeah. more than ever, but we're actually disconnected because we go on our phones and we're having meals. Yeah, or one night really terrible. Like, as soon as I get up out of bed, I'm on the phone. Like, oh, you know, see, like it's I'm terrible. S- so then, talk to me. Then, you, mm. obviously, you have a lot going on in your life. So if you don't mm. know, so. You retired a while ago. Retired last year. Yeah. 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 And then you have a gym. I have a gym called Be Do Seven Fit. Yeah. And then you work in Mount Joy. Then you have a new baby. You have your wife. Like, how do you manage it all and literally manage your stress and show up as you every day? Because I have down here, when you think about it, you have to be so many different versions of you. Like, Uh, how do you cope with that? Well, all of my, uh, what I do is, if you could categorize all I do, it's around people. Yeah. You know, so the gym is about people of a food company. That's like probably the only other one, but people eat food, obviously. Yeah. But connection-wise, in, in terms of people, it's not really as as much that it would be. Well, you know what? The crazy thing about food is there's only two things that I can think of that bring you back to your childhood, food and music. Yeah. You know, so there you go. It's so, so nostalgic. Yeah. And even saying food, right? Yeah. I before we started, I I was saying Billy was saying that he's on the restaurant yeah. now. And I was like, what did you cook? <laughs> go on, tell us. I cooked uh, for the start, I cooked a coddle. So I wanted to bring the north tell side. People who don't know what a coddle yeah. is. So if you're from the north side, you might understand what a coddle is. But yeah. it's basically like a white stew. Yeah. And instead of beef, it's sausages and there's a couple of different variations, mm. um, but basically, uh, mine's quite simple. It's onions, um, it's ribs, uh, ribs. Ribs, yeah, yeah. Oh no! Oh, you want to taste with ribs? Short. My ribs, nana yeah. would have made it with sausages, onion, um, onion, potatoes. Yeah, potatoes. Was it, was it mushrooms? Mush, uh, no, leek, no leek mushrooms. potato soup. Oh, really? I think, and That's then. What else? That was kind of it. Yeah. It was like three, four. Now I never touch coddle. By the, the way, the grave diggers. If you want to get it, that's my family pub. That is the, the OG. Yeah, so yeah, my granddad, yeah. my mom, my dad have been drinking there for about fifty years, right. and that is like the that's OG the pub. So if everyone says I'm going for a pint, you go down to the grave diggers, and because yes. I went to school and I own it. Right, in right. Columbus there. Oh, yes. Yeah. And all yeah. my family are from Duncondra. Well, my mum, my dad, and all. Mm. So, like, beside Nafina and all that. Boo. <laughs> Didn't support Nafina, right? <laughs> my brother went to Pat's. Right, right. And um, what you call us, they'd always go there as well. Yeah. You get your points. Try your coddled. If you, if you want to experiment, do they, do they not do tapas coddled. there? And they do coddle. They do, yeah. Uh, they're, they're known for their coddle. Like, so, we actually, for the restaurant, we got the recipe. Off from them. from them and cooked it and they were blown no. the judges the critics were blown away and it was actually really just care I'll make it cool. in there 
in the grave diggers, yeah. I'd say so. Yeah, Kieran, yeah, Kieran does, does yeah. I think. Yeah, that's yeah. who we got the recipe. Yeah, off. yeah he's great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's so we're name plugging yeah. people now. Yeah, we we're giving them free <laughs> So yeah, so brought back the north side. Um, uh, for, for basically for years, I would have had conversations mm. in the chain, Dublin change room with the south side lads talking about cuddle. They wouldn't have a clue what it is. So it's mad. And um, I was on even saying to Philly, I was like, I said to one of my mates a while ago, I was like. Have you ever had a coddle? He was like, no, you'd be from, you know, well, actually Dublin North County. And I was like, Fortside. yeah, it's Fortside, as fake, you were saying. And I'm like, side. I was like, how the hell have you not had a coddle? <laughs> I feel like, I ha- like, what the hell? Yeah, you know? we I mean, need to bring the coddle back. Bring the coddle. Yeah. That's what you were doing we need to bring with it the back, restaurant. Yeah. 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 So then how would you keep yourself balanced then? Yeah. Every sorry. Day? Yeah. What's your so, go-to? What, um, what's your morning routine like outside of your phone? So we'll have a schedule. It's called a default diary. I'll do that on a Sunday night or a Monday morning. And it's like a, a roster, basically. So your time is down the left side, your day is on the top. And I just basically plug in the different things that I have on and I colour code it. So, oh, I love yeah, a colour code. You <laughs> uh, you're an, are you an organised freak? No, I'm actually, oh, I, I had to do this because of the so much so much I had on. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, but I, I'd have, let's say, blue would be the hours I'm walking in the gym yeah. or on business or meetings. And then... Let's say uh, green is the time I'm spending with Sarah and Lennon. And then, mm. actually, weirdly, pink is Ballymun Kiggums when I'm, when I'm playing football. Ballymun Kiggums are red and green. Like, yeah. But I just have it in pink because Bohemians I have in red because I'm a performance coach for Bohemians. I saw that. Yeah, so. And that kind of makes it up. And basically what I do is week on week, I look look and see how many hours I'm working. Mm. You know, how much time I'm spending with my family. Am I actually doing anything for myself, hobby-wise? What sort of training am I getting in? And because I'm kind of a visual person, when I look at that, I can change the following week for Yeah. That. And then talking about yourself, do you look after, obviously you've a, you have a little boy and your wife as well, Sarah, but like, and, and of course they have to come, but do you look mm. after yourself first? Um, I'm probably, it's something I've never even thought about. Like, um, What do you do to look after you every after day? After me? Yeah. Do you know what? The odd time I try, uh, I do meditate a little bit um, yeah. and I, I meditate I have actually a hyperbaric chamber in my gym. Dead. It's like an oxygen chamber. It's like this kind of big long cylinder. And I just, that's where I do it. So if I feel fatigued, I jump Is it cold? No, it's not cold. Okay. It's just like, uh, it's called high oxygen. So it gets into your cellular levels. Like Yes, I've seen yeah. this. It gets into your bloodstream and, and like and for your brain and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah so it helps your body. It helps you function a little bit more. So I just go down if I feel fatigued because like my life and everybody will experience that that has kids your life is actually dictated by your your, your kids of course you have to get up when they get yeah. up you have to give yeah. them a bottle you have to feed them yeah. so so it's nice then if 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 I look at my schedule I'll probably go yeah I woke up at six this morning to feed Lennon so I'm going to have an hour there where I spend in the office I'm actually going to jump into the chamber and just chill out for the hour and do maybe a couple five minutes meditation and the rest I'll just do a little bit on the laptop and how do you find when you meditate yeah, I, I like. I, I've done meditation for years. Like you know, I've done it for a long time. Um, for do you sports. do breath work at all, or do you just yeah, meditate? Bit of both. Bit mm. of both. Um, what have you found the benefits of doing that? Well, I, I would have learned, uh, I suppose, from a sporting aspect that decision making was mm. much clearer. Um, that my concentration endurance was very good yeah. for the whole game, and and just decluttering any stress I've had throughout that day, so that when I was going into elite performance environment to training. Um, that I whatever stress I had from work because we're we're amateurs we were amateurs when yeah. we played like different when you're professional athletes where you're you've just you have that time mm. to focus on getting to training and everything else but we were working 
doing different things and then having to show up and give your energy to training it's hard to decompartmentalize so we we i would have meditated just before training to focus on you know mm. what was the intention that i needed for that session like you know yeah i i definitely have benefited from it because i always thought you can't i can't you know the way those mm. beliefs in your head and then just start off with a minute my nana no said it to me she was like Emma just close your eyes and breathe for a minute <laughs> in through the nose out through the mouth for a minute this was years ago and then I started so I, I got into coaching and then I said I was at this point I'd say two years ago and I was constantly absorbed in my thoughts you know when they're racing and I didn't know I was actually addicted to stress right. only through doing a lot of work on myself I'm obsessed with Jerry Hussey yeah, and Jerry's great. he's so good but yeah. he, the way he talks and and very relatable like yourself as well you yeah. don't think you're a weirdo like, yeah. <laughs> that I didn't know by doing you know my own development work I was like I'm actually craving stress that's my adrenaline mm. and I didn't know through training um, that your body obviously holds on to cords though holds on to yeah. stress you mm. know and it's constantly and then I used to have stomach ulcers right. stomach issues your emotion your gut your second brain mm. and I was like what the hell so I was like there's something going on here I was going through a really like hard time so I says right I want to get into mindfulness not thinking it was a teacher training but then when I get into it I was like oh this is to become a teacher here like yeah, yeah. and then from that but now it's so funny where I go for a walk let's say I go to St. Anne's and I don't even listen to music. I leave my AirPods. I bring my AirPods with me, but I just be like, I don't want to listen to anything. And I get so engrossed. I don't think of anything. I listen to like, say the birds. What can I hear? The wind. You know, can I hear things? What can I feel? What can I see? I'm really in the present. And it literally has made me come to such a calmer state, even though if I might not meditate every day, that's a meditation within itself. Like, and people yeah. I think are so fixated on even putting pressure on themselves. I have to meditate. And we got taught this when I was doing my teacher training that life is the real meditation mm. that you can bring in things like you said I just do five minutes and I might do something but I'm in the present moment like yeah from a very young age we've learned to do the opposite yeah you know what's the opposite so mm. when you're a kid the peer pressure of drinking alcohol or smoking and stuff like that that's to take you away from something yeah like so when you drink alcohol you're like I'm a different person now. I've got this buzz. I can dance. I can have the crack a bit better. I can come out of my shell a little bit more. And that's a distraction to really who you are. And yeah. that's the same at meditation. When you meditate, you're going really into who you are mm. uh, to a point where then sometimes you forget who you are. And have you ever done Reiki you know? before? I haven't, no. I haven't because done even before. saying that mm. is like, I done Reiki. I've been doing Reiki for years, but I done Reiki training. So I'm about to go into level two and then I'll be able to do it on people. Brilliant, brilliant. And, but it's even mad saying that because I remember um, before that, I'm so in my own head of like, and I think it's just conditioning beliefs, younger, you know, trauma, everything like that. I think yeah. a lot of people always have, am I good enough? Can I do this? I think, are you even natural if you don't get that? Do you know that yeah, way? Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, but I was at this point and I was like, you know, through, like after selling my house, COVID, everything, I was like, I really want to just start pushing through these barriers and just going for it. Mm. And I done Reiki, right? And I'm telling you, like, it, obviously it's it's energy. It's an energy yeah. um, and, you know, an energy um, transaction. Right. And you're meditating and stuff like that. And it was just like, after that weekend, it's like, now obviously I felt violently sick because you're clearing. So you feel like yeah. your stomach, your head, you could be literally passing wind, TMI, not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I felt so yeah. sick. And yeah. I said it, she was like, Emmy, you're clearing all your negative right. shit. Like, Interesting, yeah. And then after that weekend, 
this would have been June feeling like I am mm. like I am getting this and I started mm. my pod Brilliant. I'm breaking through I'm doing all this and I'm like it's like I just left I was like I'm sick of that old version of me like I'm breaking through this barrier how have you done that yourself through you know you're a busy bee. You have a lot yeah. of things going on. Like how, like you're probably going to set up a, like a restaurant now after the <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how do you get that fire in your belly and believe in yourself to set up something new and go for it? I suppose the first thing is that I've been, I'm very grateful for the life I have and the people around me and the chances I've been given, the opportunities I've been given. And I understand life and death. You know, I've had two really important people in my life pass away. Yeah. Me, me brother and me, me father. <laughs> so at young ages and so I'd be very selfish if I didn't take the opportunity in life that's given to me that they didn't have. So that's where it starts. It starts with understanding life that you've 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 got a chance here to do whatever you can, and you've probably one shot at this. So I, I I'm not really religious. I'm very spiritual. I think we all yeah we all are spiritual, emotional, and physical beings. Mm -hmm. And for me, um, I'm not sure if there's. I believe in psychology, so I'm not sure if there's an after death. To be honest. <laughs> Yeah, so, I know what you're saying. So I'm, I'm. So for me, um, what you're chatting about to me, when you're like I, what what comes into my mindset when you're you're chatting is a lot around, um, quantum physics and neuroscience. I done that in college. You know, yeah, yeah. So so um, so I understand a lot of that because mm. I've educated myself on all of those things. There's a, there's a guy that you should definitely look into if you haven't already. A guy called Doctor Joe Dispenza. Oh yeah, yeah I know yeah, him. Yeah, he's him. dead. Yeah, he is. so yeah. he's uh, he's big in neuroscience he's and meditation. Huge. Yeah, so I have friends that go to Cancun to just yeah. meditate with this guy, like you yeah. know, and learn what and he's like doing. And like pay about ten grand. Yeah, mad money. Like, <laughs> but he's 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 the science behind what he's doing. Like, you know, I'm really into this, and I mm. think see, it's nearly like an addiction, self development. People don't understand that. Like, my amount to be like. Even my nana said to me, you're not doing another course. <laughs> and I'm like, it's just Reiki. But and life is a course. But that's it. Like, you, you should know, always try to be yeah, more aware of who you are. Where if I, I nearly get off on this stuff, like I'm like, oh, self-development. <laughs> because I, I think it's because how much I'm learning about myself, how much I'm on. It's like an onion, all the layers and you're getting yes. closer. So I went through a really hard time, say like two years ago. And then I only kind of, I'm coming out the other side of it now. And, but I'm like, that taught me something similar to yourself as well. Obviously, you, you grieve certain things, especially mm. with the death of your dad and your brother. Yeah, That is absolutely like horrible. But like, even for you to say, oh, I, I understand that. I recognize that. Did you have any help with that? Like, did you go to therapy? Yeah. Do you believe in therapy? What do you do? What's well, your coping mechanisms? So when John passed away, I would have worked, like my therapy was working. It's the wrong okay. therapy. Yeah. Um, John... When even John was at his kind of sickest moment in addiction, he our time in his addiction, he would have brought me. He'd get his wages at the end of the month, and he'd bring me into town, and he'd get me a, a jersey. Aww. You know, even when he was like, yeah. and that's hard. It's probably it's probably hard for people to understand how hard that is because people that struggle with certainly heroin addiction, the only thing in their life that matters is that little mm -hmm. bag of substance. Like that's it. Like their physical appearance, their you know, they've all self worth is gone. So he used to bring me in and get me jerseys, right? So um I got to the point where I said, then we moved him off to London. He'd come home and I'd I would purposely go to a bank and get a hundred euro now. And before he went back over over to England, I'd give him the hundred euro now 
and he'd always say the same things. I'll come back a different man. We'll change. Blah blah blah. Yeah. So so that was my way of giving back to him. So why am I saying that? When he passed, I said to myself, I'm going to pay for this funeral. Mm. I'm going to get the money up to pay for the funeral. Wow. And it was expensive because we had to fly him home yeah. and stuff like that. And so I said to the family, I says, I'm going to pay for this. And my mum and dad said, no, you're not. And I said, no, I am. I'm going to. So I started working like crazy hours. And I had four gyms at that stage. I had wow. one, one in, uh, at the airport, one in Finglas, one in Drimna and one in Tala. So I was actually personally training people from all of those four gyms. You really started young. Yeah, well, I, st I started my gym up when I was 19. Wow. Yeah, so, but I, I was I was trying to get that money up yeah. and I, I was just like falling asleep walking, driving across the M50. Like I was like, oh, I hated personal training from that. Like, yeah. But um, for me, that was that was my moment of like, this is what I can do. But I thought that was, uh, that was helping me deal with, but it wasn't. Yeah. It was only until I wrote the book that I realised what grieving was. I was sitting down with, with his mate and his mate was telling me all the stories that I didn't know, my family didn't know. And I was crying, laughing, angry. Mm. That's grieving for, for me, in yeah. my opinion. That was grieving for me. When we, my dad passed away, it was a, lot, a little bit different because it was um, a different situation. Like, so my dad had cancer. Mm. Um, still had probably similar emotions around the grievance. But I got to a point where I actually, I went and got help. I spoke to a psychotherapist yeah. and she said, um, what I want you to do is practice that when you have something that's reminiscent of your father, that you realise that that's what we're here to do. We're here to show, we're here to give love and give memories. Lovely. Right, that's so. That's so passionate, that's yeah. gorgeous, so, that's so nice. So, strangely enough, my dad was from West Belfast. He was, <coughs> he was, uh, he grew up in the Troubles, as I said to you earlier on, and he had his own trauma, but um, my dad loved dance music. Right, he loved dance music. You think he loved love rebel it. songs, but he was sixty-five, absolutely wrecking on the dance floor. I love that. And uh, yeah, I loved that at a certain point, and then like you're just, even smiling now, yeah, like remembering exactly. This. Yeah, so so, but me, I used to hate my mates going, "Yeah, get your dad up for a dance," and I'd be like, "Oh, this." Like I was embarrassed, like as a and young now you're person. probably thinking, going, that, that was amazing. Oh, like if he was here now, I'd be going, come on, we get up for the yeah. dance, you know that way. So, but what was his favorite song? Silence, you know, silence, yeah, delirium. Yeah, silent. yeah. So, I love that. so the psychotherapist says to me, yeah, uh, like when, uh, when, like for example, when you if you're driving home, that so song mm. all of a sudden pops on. Mm. The don't cry, like she, well, she said, like let your emotions go, but mm. remember that's a good thing, that's love, that's spirit. That's a look. That's 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 a that's that comes from a positive place, you know. Yeah. And generally, I would have te felt that's bad, and yeah. a, a memory would have been bad. But that yeah. that should be good, you know. And and it was, you know, at the, at the start of trying that and practicing that, it wasn't natural. But as it got on, like, yeah. the smile started to come, like you know. And even speaking about them here today, that's such a beautiful a way of saying it. Like yeah. when you think about it that way, we always think that grief, it is a sad thing. It really mm. is. But there is the other side to it, like you said, being like you had those memories, you can embrace those memories. Yeah, it can be sad, but there's another side to it to be like, wasn't that amazing? Yeah. Like, you know, I have that memory and that smile on my face. Like, there's, there's a thing called the hindsight window. Mm. And it's um, it's it's one of those things that right away we don't have it as human beings. Mm. Like so, for example, um, like you spoke about your house, COVID and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Like. If if you would have known where you would have went oh, to where you are today, yeah. you would have said, "Thank God that happened." Yeah, and I you always know? say that. Yeah, it's really weird because I said it on my pod and I was talking about it on episode one, 
about you know finding love again I mm. thought like you know I was never gonna find love except sorry I have to cough yeah <coughs> I have like a little tickle in my throat <laughs> it's like oh weird and I only had COVID last week oh god <coughs> and there's there's these bars by the way people have to see on the table <laughs> called wackos you're at the having a wacko before mm. I came in oh yeah literally but anyways when I thought about and through going through therapy I was like and I, I think it's through the work that I've done internally like yourself mm. You come to a point, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, you're going through the motions. You know you're in in the pit, but you know it happened for a reason. Like, I believe in all that. Like, things happen mm. for a reason. Yeah. And coming out the other side now, like, I'm a different version of me. I'd never take back what happened to me. I'd never regret what happened to me. And I am happy to say that with confidence. Like, it's mm. actually mad where before people do be always saying, but how, but how? And I'm like, I don't know what it is. It's just something inside you that you're like, this, like, you you nearly think life is supposed to be smooth sailing mm. and you think that you're supposed to have it all planned out. But life, there can be curveballs left, mm. right, centre, mm. you know, right, left. And you just have to take it day by day. Where but that's I, what I should be taught in school. Exactly. Where I was so caught up on the plan, the bigger picture, mm. you know, family, getting married, doing all this, being so engrossed of a busy fill, working, constantly busy, but not working on internally and mentally. Yeah. And now I've done all that work and I continue to do that work. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's great. totally different. But just to, just to the listeners, like if, if, <coughs> if something in the next short time happens to you that brings trauma, adversity, um, anything negative to your life, like think of it this way. Like the, if you have, if you go through these, let's call these, these bumps in the road or barriers, the more you go through with those, the more you get used to them. Yeah. The more you get better at them. Yeah. You know, so in other words, your boss comes to you and says, you're, you're, you're letting you go. Like, you should get to a point where not, you should be getting let go all the time, but other scenarios that you could go, thanks very much for that. I'm going to get a better job. It's the respond, yeah. not the react. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The white, the white space. Yeah, it's like, the <laughs> yes. it's pausing, like, because I think I used to always react. Yeah, yeah. And now I just think and I go, Okay. What else yeah, can I hear you. Um, mm. no problem. I'm, and like some people kind of look at me waiting for me to do something. They go, "How the?" Yeah. <laughs> it was like the whole breakup thing. People were like, "Why hasn't she burnt his car?" Or like, yeah, what? <laughs> what's going on here? I just was like, and everyone was like, "Are you okay?" But I, I was dealing with it in my own way, mm. walking, gym, journaling, and then eventually went to therapy, and then things like that. I dealt with it in my own way, but people mm. are nearly waiting for you to crack. But like you said, you used to keep all that energy for the bitch. Yeah, and the it pitch came, came out, out in a different pitch. way. It did it come out in a different yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And then before we finish up, because I feel yeah. like I could be chatting to you for ages yeah, so definitely. much because you're very similar. <laughs> um, what advice would you give to anyone out there who is struggling at the moment, whether it's with addiction or just in their own headspace? What advice would you give to them? People that are struggling with addiction is, I suppose, the key thing is that, um, or people they know, anyone yeah. within their family, and they, they're afraid to speak out and they don't know how to cope themselves. Yeah, well, well, the key thing here is that it's not most like most of this country will experiment with drug and drugs and alcohol, and al and drug alcohol is a drug. Right? It's one of the biggest killers in this country. And we, we actually socially accept, ah, we're Irish, we drink, blah, 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 you know. And by the way, just to let you know, Philly says he doesn't drink. No, I don't so drink alcohol, I but like, I wouldn't judge anybody no, that does. No, no, um, no, no. So, but the key thing here is that, will you, will you say, well, hold on a second, not everybody's an alcoholic, mm. you know. 
So then the percentage of people that actually struggle with addiction, you you can pull it down, most of that down to some sort of adverse trauma in their lives when mm. they were kids or where they are in their life right now. So so there's always an underlying issue. Yeah. So to society, we must stop shaming people because of the the drug and should start looking yeah. at the individual and who they are, the family and everything else, right? So that that and that that can be something that society can get better at, but also we need to look at the policies and stuff like that, right? If you have somebody right now that is your one of your family members or friends is struggling with addiction, right? This is the thing that is so important. They will get you will get to a point where you will give up. That's not what to do. Don't give up, right? And you'll go, oh, but they're like mm. they keep robbing things and they keep treating us bad and they keep just mm. it's just really. At the end of the day, when you lose that person, if you lose that person, you'll realize that none of that matters. Mm. You'd give, you'd let that happen 20 times over to mm. still have them on the planet. Mm. And the most important thing to remember is that with support and with that individual hitting rock bottom, mm. that journey can happen. It's very, very, very possible mm -hmm. because drugs and substance-based addictions in particular are actually easy because easy to I say easy that's that's probably not the right word but they're they're more it's it's a, an easier process to go into recovery than it would be food why because food takes years to understand you have a problem with food yeah. sex phones gambling yeah. they're all hidden so when when you're yes. taking heroin you see yes. a physical appearance change yeah, that's and so true so so with support and help and there will be barriers that you'll have to have. But always say to the person, when you decide, when you decide, because we think we have yes, control. Yes, I agree. We think we can take the control and the responsibility <coughs> from the person that's struggling. And we're going to make you get off drugs. Yeah. And we're going to use tough love and stuff like that. In fact, it's the opposite. The worst thing you can do is tell someone what to do. Yeah, well, they like they just guide them. Uh, they have definitely went the opposite way. They've connected yeah. with a drug more than people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So bring them closer to you. And... And as I said, have the barrier, but also make sure that when they are, they want the support yeah. that you're there to give them because it's a special place. I'm telling you now, if you put all the people that are in recovery forever addiction in a room, you'll be blown away by the energy of these people. Oh yeah, sure. Even a guy, before we wrap up, a guy that um, I done my mindfulness course with, um, he was um, a recovering drug addict mm. and um, he was just amazing. Like I won't name his name just in case. But he, he was an outsider. I loved him. And yeah, I just constantly connected with him. And he literally changed his life. He had a meditation room. He wore his little beads. Um, he was about, to, um, he was doing courses with recovering um, drug addicts as yeah. well. Some of them didn't want to do it. And yeah, then yeah. some of them did. He had to do it as like part of a program. Okay. And, but like, just his face lit up. He was doing courses for a while, but then when you get into the mindfulness, he started doing that and he had his incense. Yeah. And I remember we hadn't met because we were doing virtually over Zoom. Oh, right, right. And then when I met him for the last two or three weekends, oh, my heart. <laughs> and like even my boyfriend <laughs> was like, yeah, search your man. Yeah, they've <laughs> they've got was, a second chance in life. So his story, I'm so connected to someone who can just transform their life when they've hit that place and they made that choice. And it's so powerful. Yeah. To see that he's spreading the light now 
because he's been in that place. I just was like, you're amazing. Well, they're role models in society. Amazing. You know, that's why, like, we want the next generation to know yeah. these people so that it doesn't happen. Like, yeah, that's the that's the key thing for us. Yeah, and um, like I think this is like so amazing to chat to, and it's like to anyone out there as well that's listening. In, like, don't be afraid to reach out to talk. Mm. Like, Philly is amazing at the work he does, mm. and there's always help. You know, when you do ask, there's so many different avenues. Where can people follow you on your socials? So um, I'm on all the socials, Instagrams. <laughs> uh, Joe, you know, you know, the only one that I'm not really on is Snapchat. But I'm on that Instagram, is like Facebook. 1955. Yeah, That's vintage Snapchat, now. So Neither am I. I'm on Bebo as well. If people <laughs> oh want to get God, me there, remember Bebo. that? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Instagram, Facebook, Flash whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Just don't bombard. Me. No, <laughs> no, no. But yeah. Oh, thanks so much no for problem. coming thanks in. Thanks for having me Thank on. Thank you. Anna. Really enjoyed it. Well, that's it. Again, another pod is done and I'd like to actually get one man on. I want to get another guy on as well because I like to mix it up. I want to empower everybody, not just women because I love hearing everybody's story because someone... Well, everybody has a story, isn't that right? And we want to just listen into everyone's experiences. Um, like I said, you can always follow my newsletter for more insights, what's going on, any hints, tips, tricks, or what I've learned or what I'm learning throughout the pod. And that's over my link tree and my Instagram, Emma Kyo. And feel free to like and subscribe to my pod. Thanks so much. See you next week.